Captain Chaos walks it off. We are talking a Reds win on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk some Reds with you. We encourage you, if you're listening, check us out on Twitter or hit us up on YouTube in the comments section and let us know if you're an everyday or let us know how long you've been a Reds fan. Let us know what you think about this team because talking Reds is what we do. And we want to talk Reds with you. And when it comes to every day, we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network because we're your team every day. And if you listen every day, you know, we've been a little bit distressed with how this team has gone. We've been a little bit distressed with what the lineup's been doing and how many runs they haven't scored. They fixed all of that. And we're going to get into why that was and who was the catalyst for all of it. Plus, Nick Lodolo had another tough start. We're going to talk about what that means and how he evaluated himself. And David Bell had some, let's, I don't know that distressing is the right word, but he had some things to say about Joey Votto's timetable and when we might see the Reds legend. That's all coming up on today's Locked On Reds. But first, Steve, we are going to start with this. There was a report after the game, and it was prompted by something that Spencer Steer said in his post-game press conference that that Reds hitters seemed to be a little bit more loose yesterday because there was a pregame meeting before Monday's uh, win over the Rangers, and Spencer Steer had this to say about it. I think we actually had a meeting earlier today that, you know, let's just take a deep breath. It's going to come. It's going to happen. Um, and I think that kind of helped us go out there and play a little looser tonight, and I think that's why we got the results we did. Just, just you know, trusted the guy behind us. If we weren't going to get the job done, you know, the guy behind you got you. So I think that was, uh, that was big for us today was just taking a deep breath and go out there and play loose. They needed it after that uh, series sweep in Pittsburgh. Ugh. You know, I would be interested to find out who called this team meeting and, and who had what to say. And we probably won't ever know about that. Baseball players are pretty notorious for keeping, uh, you know, what said in the locker room in the locker room and, and for good reason most of the time. But uh, it was pretty clear watching this game as it unfolded, uh, even as uh, Nick Lodolo got beat up on just a little bit, uh, that the hitters – uh, we're playing a little bit uh, more loose. They were, it, it was pretty clear by the end of that Pittsburgh series that everybody was wound up tight. So it was good to see uh, the hitters relax a little bit and have success and do the things that they kind of stopped doing during this losing streak. And uh, even, even though Lodolo didn't have a great start, um, you know, I sat here and watched this game earlier, Jeff, and, and it was an enjoyable watch. And uh, ultimately with the Reds win, it was a really fun watch. But uh, when I was talking earlier in the season about these hitters being fun, what we saw from them today is what kind of made this team fun. They're, their ability to continue to scrap and stay in things and, and get some timely hits and do some timely things. And we saw that on display today. 
Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Steer had that amazing, his first career triple that scored a couple of runs earlier on in the game, and that was kind of at the point where it's like, okay, well, the Reds are at least going to try. They're at least going to be competitive in this game, especially when Nick Lodolo didn't have his best stuff and the Rangers were putting runs up on the board. But what got me, and it's what got a lot of folks, was the eighth inning of walks. Walks will haunt, right? I mean, but the Reds, there was something about that eighth inning, and there was something about the way that Jose LeClerc just couldn't find the strike zone at all for the Rangers in in an inning where... He got two outs before any damage was had against him. And just a quick break, like looking at this inning, TJ Friedel actually began the eighth inning by lining out. The Reds were already behind the eight ball a little bit there. Then Spencer Steer hits a single. Tyler Stevenson walks. He ends up getting pinch ran for with Stuart Fairchild. And then Jake Fraley pops out for the second out. Bases aren't even loaded at this point. Mm -hmm. Then Will Myers walks, loads the bases. Then Henry Ramos, the brand new call-up, from AAA, the guy who replaced Jason Vossler on the roster, and he was DHing in this game, he walks and scores in Steer to make it a one-run game. And then Nick Senzel, who's 0 for 3. Nick Senzel, who's struggled to this point. Let's let's call it what it is. He's had a couple of hits here and there, but nobody's really getting excited about that. He ties the game with a walk of his own on a full count pitch. And I'm telling you what, I I think that, you know, as the umpire calls it a strike, then people probably like, you know, give him a lot of crap and say that he's the worst and all this other stuff. Nick Senzel had stones to look at the ball that he did because it was close to the corner, almost looked like a perfect pitch, but it was off the plate. And it was a perfect pitch recognition that tied this ball game up. You know, Jeff, it could be a glass half full, glass half empty conversation with this. Was it that the Reds hitters were were having great at bats and taking lots of pitches and forcing uh, mistakes? Or, you know, was it a story of a pitcher just not having his best stuff? It could be a little bit of both. But this is what I know. The Rangers bullpen so far this season has been very, very good. Now, if you look at their saves totals, you're going to be deceived. But that's because they score so many runs. There haven't been a lot of save situations, but that bullpen has been good. So for the Reds to to put this together in the eighth inning, uh, and and clearly the Rangers believed that the ship was going to get righted. They ran him back out there uh, in the ninth inning as well. Maddox was out more than one time trying to give him a pep talk. And uh, that's the pitching coach for uh, the Rangers. Uh, Mike Maddox was out there several times, giving pep talks. You know, they believed that he was going to get out of that jam and that he was going to get out of that inning. Uh, so credit to these Reds hitters for being patient and, you know, waiting for mistakes to be made. And, you know, a mistake being made doesn't always result in a big hit. Uh, it can be things like this, where you string together a bunch of walks in a row and you tie the game. Yeah, and that kind of falls back on what Spencer Steer had to say. You know, guys not trying to do too much, just taking what was there in front of them and not, you know, overstretching themselves. But then we come to the ninth inning and the beauty that was Jonathan India getting on base because Jose Barrero struck out, of course, to end the eighth inning, which turned the lineup over for the ninth. Jonathan India gets on base, which he's done all year long. And then TJ Friedel comes up. And I love the way that he broke down this at bat because he he really kind of lays it all out there for us as to how he 
was approaching it. Yeah, yeah. At first, he was just trying to get John a second, and then after the second pitch, uh, pass ball, got him on second. So then it's like, all right, now let's try and get this a third, and uh, kind of pulled off the first one, fastball, the fastball up and away, and then second one was a slider that I pulled off on again. And so, you know, at that point, I was kind of, you know, I trust my bunny, and I know I'm capable of it. Um, but with John on second, I'm more comfortable with myself pulling the ball just to get him over. Um, and so, and Will Smith being a heavy slider guy. I just felt better. I had a better chance to move him over, just pulling the ball. So, um, you know, just worked trying to get that slider up, and and uh, he threw a couple of good ones, and just worked full count. So, um, got a fastball up and put a good swing on. He needs to play every day. I, I absolutely love what TJ Friedel does, and every time he's at the plate, Captain Chaos, he's ready to play. You know, Jeff, if somebody wants to see in living color what you and I have been talking about with India and Friedel uh, as the one-two punch at the top of this Reds lineup, just watch the bottom of the ninth inning from yesterday. It yep. went exactly how you and I have been saying that these two players together can produce runs. India gets on. He gets himself over with his speed. You know, this time it was on a pass ball, not a straight steal, but India has the ability to, to have that running game component right. then once you get that runner to second base well all bets are off because is Frito going to bunt is he going to pull the ball is he going to try and hit it the other way uh he, this is where the captain chaos effect comes into play and the defenses don't necessarily know how to play him any other left-handed hitter in this lineup i believe the center fielder would have been playing to pull and oh, yeah. that ball doesn't drop for anybody else on this team right now but tj Frito. because they know that he can just poke it and, and put it mm -hmm. in the left you know, left center, shallow left field, something like that. The other thing that I was thinking too, with India on second base, they could run almost like a, a steel type play where he squares around a bunt. And if the third baseman charges, India takes off because then there's nobody to throw out there at third base. I think that they were a little bit more conservative with that. I didn't really see the third baseman charge. He might take a couple of steps in, but he still had enough room to get back in case there was a throw from the catcher, but overall, th th what I'm saying is this is just chaos. They have the ability to get into the minds of opposing defenses, of opposing pitchers, of opposing catchers, of opposing managers with their top two hitters. And TJ Friedel showed why. And I love the fact that we have this ability. And, you know, I, I feel like we as baseball fans love to do comps, right? We always compare people to other players and things like that. And I've heard some interesting comparisons. I've heard a lot of Ryan Friel when it comes to TJ Friedel. I think mostly because it just makes sense in your mind. Friel, Friedel, they almost sound exactly the same. I'll be honest. I'm going to reach over to a team we hate and a player that we didn't really like when he was there. And I'm going to say that TJ Friedel reminds me of David Eckstein. And I really think that if, if, if you would have told, you know, if you'd have told me, you know, back in the heyday of David Eckstein, could the Reds have a guy like that? I would have taken him every day of the week. Well, you know, it's that blue collar work ethic. It's that yeah. grinder. It's that, you know, Friedel is Friel, is Heisey, is Stubbs, is Rose, is, you know, it's, it's a certain style of play that has come yeah. through Cincinnati. It's Scooter Jeanette when he was good Scooter Jeanette. It's it's those guys that come into Cincinnati and grind things out. And I think that's why he is so popular. But one thing's for sure, Jeff, uh, the Reds hitters played a whole lot more loose on uh, Monday than they have uh, at any point in time in the last week. Apparently that stems from the guys getting together in their pregame meeting. Uh, however, someone who wasn't playing 
quite as loose was my guy, Nicoladolo for the second start in the row. Uh, what was his kryptonite on Monday and what does he need to do moving forward forward? Uh, the answer to that is coming up next. But before we get to that, I want to talk about one of the sponsors of today's podcast. This show is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. You know, I am always learning new things about myself. I'm a person who is comfortable in my own skin. And just as soon as I feel like I've mastered something, though, something new comes along for me to overcome. We weren't meant to do all of this all by ourselves. Whether through friends or family, we all need someone to talk to. What if you feel like there's no one you can turn to, though? There's always help out there. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime you want with no additional charge if you feel like things aren't quite connecting. You can discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnMLB. The Reds and the Rangers play tonight at 6.40 p.m. Eastern. Luke Weaver toes the rubber against Martin Perez. You can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. Thanks for always making Locked on Reds your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, we will have a breakdown of Luke Weaver's second start. It's going to be in the books, and we are going to start to figure out what he can bring to the table and just who he really is as a starting pitcher in the Cincinnati Reds rotation. Uh, Jeff, speaking of starting pitchers in the Cincinnati Reds rotation, uh, Nick Lodolo has hit a couple speed bumps in his last few starts. Now, look, I understand that it is a long baseball season and guys are going to have some periods where they struggle a little bit. I'm not ready to push a panic button on Nick Lodolo. I agree. But his last few starts uh, has not been what we have come to expect from him. And lest we forget, this is something that I keep thinking about when I see Nicoladolo struggle, when I see anybody struggle, really, is remember 2021 when we were sure that Luis Castillo had somehow figured out how to not pitch anymore and, and give up lots of runs and well, that worked out pretty okay for him. So I, I look at this and I say, yes, these are two struggle, two struggles of a start that are something that gives me pause, but not necessarily something that gives me worry. However, I will say this, you know, games like this, when they win, that's nice to see. But the main goal of this season is to see the core take a step forward. Nick Lodolo still hasn't quite gotten there just yet we saw some early performances that made us think he was going to and now it's kind of like okay there's an adjustment i wondered a little bit you know maybe the teams have the scouting report on him because i think overall like you kind of see some guys just laying off the curveball as though they know that they really don't have to worry about his secondary stuff and nick Lodolo had some interesting thoughts whenever he was asked about this being his second straight kind of a, a struggle uh, I mean, I, I think probably just falling behind, and then I know on the on the Giants' second homer that was just typical fall behind, basically middle middle did it. But um, I thought I was throwing the ball well, honestly. Um, like I said, it's, it's kind of confusing. Uh, 
like I said, I, I, I got to look back at it. Um, I don't know how many times I was behind in counts and stuff like that. I know I left some balls over the plate that got hit. Um, but other than that, I mean, the, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you got to keep going forward. And the only way to get through it is to keep going. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. When you are as calm, or I was just going to say, when you're as calm a player as Nick Lodolo is, that's about as frustrated as he can look. You know, it's interesting. You know, he, he said a lot in there. If you're willing to read between the lines, he talked about falling behind a lot. You know, I think he's become too dependent early on in at bats of nibbling the outsides and hoping that these hitters are going to dig their own hole. You know, you talked about the scouting report being out. I mean, the video is clear how Nick Lodolo likes to approach at bats. I think that what Nick's going to have to learn here is how to go at guys in the first couple pitches. And I'm not saying first pitch fastball is right down Broadway, right. but he's going to have to get off the edges a little bit so that the hitters don't necessarily know that if they can just manage to lay off that first pitch, that second pitch and be ahead to, Oh, uh, it, it changes the whole at bat. And I think that that is what Lodolo struggling with right now. That back foot slider only works if you get guys in a hole and they feel like they have to chase it as it cuts across the plate, because it looks like a strike. If they have extra pitches to work with and they can lay off that puppy, then it's a whole different ball game. So I think I think that's where Nick Lodolo is, and I think that's what the struggle is right now. He's going to have to learn that next evolution of attacking and at bat. Yeah, and it's it's going to have to come from his other pitches because it's clear, like we like we've said that you know the scouting report's kind of out on him. And something that I noticed a lot in just about all of the home runs, and really even there was this one at bat where Jose Barrero turned a nice double play, and everybody was super excited about it. But I still had a little bit of twinge in the back of my mind because I watched where the pitch was. It was a fastball down Broadway, and it was just kind of got missed by the Rangers hitter. And it's something that I noticed whenever I looked at his numbers on baseball savant, baseball savant basically says that if it ain't his breaking ball, it's getting killed right now. I mean, batting average against his four seamer is three fifty seven with a five ninety five slugging. We're talking about an all-star hitter against his four seam fastball. Then and, and, and when it comes to his changeup and his sinker, which according to Baseball Savant, he has a sinking fastball. You could have fooled me. I really thought he only had three pitches. But he's thrown his sinking fastball about 16 times this year. It's been put in play three times. One of them was for a homer. He has six hits on 13 uh, balls in play on his changeup. So basically, that's leading to a lot of numbers that aren't that great. But the problem is, and, and, and he it, this all goes back to what he said, is that when he is forced to throw those pitches, when hitters are able to lay off that back foot breaker, then he's not necessarily able to kind of, you know, work with those. He's not able to compose a nice at bat whenever he can't just fall back on that breaking ball. And, you know, uh, the other part of this is when they're hitting him, you know, they're hitting him hard. Uh, I don't know if you hit on this, but I think the exit velocity that, you know, he's they're they're tagging him for two to three miles per hour over league average on exit yeah. velocity right now. And that just means they're really getting around and, and barreling him up. I, I think that, look, I, I said this when we started this segment, Jeff, I am not ready to panic. I'm not I'm not really even super worried. I don't think um, now if we get three or four more starts like this, I may start to get worried, but you know, I, you and I can see what's happening here. Uh, anybody that breaks down the numbers can see what's happening 
happening here. So I know that Derek Johnson can see what's happening here. So hopefully they're working with Lodolo in between starts to kind of correct some of this. Uh, I don't believe that just in a matter of weeks, the league suddenly figured him out to the point where he's not going to be an effective starting pitcher. Uh, I think that, you know, remember, this is only his second season. This is his sophomore year. There are still going to be some growing pains along the way. And I think that he will figure it out. I think that he's going to continue to get better. We're, he's nowhere near his ceiling yet. Uh, he still has a lot of room to grow and he will grow. And this particular set of, of problems he, he's going to overcome. And that's why it's so important that you have guys in the rotation that can go long like whether you're talking about Graham Ashcraft being able to give you six or seven whether Luke Weaver can give you hopefully six innings maybe Luis Sessa or whoever's in that fifth spot can give you six innings or something like that and you have an innings eater yes I know I just know what I said I'm just saying one of these guys have to do it because when the young guys that you do want to treat carefully have a struggle of start like there was no way Nick Lodolo was going to pitch more than four innings today I was glad that he got four innings in because part of me was wondering if that was too much, but just the way that he was getting shelled. So it's days like that that David Bell has to go to the bullpen early. And kudos to the bullpen. The bullpen did a fantastic job. They allowed one hit, kept nobody. There was no walks, and there was no run scored on the bullpen on Monday. So that was beautiful to see, especially in the case where one of your guys that you do expect to be the the, the, the ace one a one B depending on who you're asking between Steve and me, uh, you're expecting him to pitch the best out of the rotation and he doesn't have his best stuff. You know, for me, Jeff, uh, I'm not sure if it's not almost time to back away from all of our results driven evaluations of guys. I, I think that, with this team, it might be time to really dig in more on how they battle, how they improve, the yeah. adjustments that they make along the way. Um, because I did it. I'm guilty. I, I know you're guilty. We all are guilty of, well, they came out of the gates like gangbusters, tagging the ball, hitting for 400, and, and we won the series, and we're going to the playoffs. We all did that, right? And that's – we're past that point now. I, I, I'm more interested now in watching how guys battle and overcome. And this is a big test for Nick Lodolo. He can show us over the next few what he's going to be like when they are in a playoff race, when they are playing for a pennant, what he's going to do when the going gets tough. Now's the time to see that from him. Yeah, no, you're right. Because the main goal for this season is that the core players take a step forward. But you know, Steve, David Bell gave us a bit of a mixed update on Joey Votto before Monday's game. Coming up, we will attempt to dissect what exactly David Bell was talking about in a very long clip that starts somewhere, gets somewhere, and then at the end just is somewhere totally, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where this all goes. But before we get into all of that, I want to tell you about one of our other sponsors for today. And that is so rare. If you're looking for a fresh look on fantasy baseball, you've got to check out so rare because our new sponsor so rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace that transforms fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. 
Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience by collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next level competitions and rewards. So rare MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span three to four day cycles. At the end of game weeks, so rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB players. Prizes may vary depending on the competition that you play. So head to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. The Reds and Rangers play tonight at 6.40 p.m. Eastern time. T.J. Friedel, man, he loves him some home cooking because when he's at Great American Ballpark, through his short career, he has a 5.03 slugging percentage. Yeah, slugging percentage for T.J. Friedel at home, 5.03. And you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. By the way, you can follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting app and right here on YouTube. Also, make sure as you're following us on Twitter, you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two F's. And you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. All right, Steve, are we worried that Joey Votto will not be ready anytime soon? And here is what I'm talking about. Still, still day to day. Um, Joey's just not because of his surgery um, and, and the rehab process. As, as much ground as he's gained in, over over these months, he's still not physically able. His shoulder's not allowing him to be physically able to to do the things that he needs to do at the plate. And mentioned this last week, but he's way ahead of schedule. I mean, it's like an eight to twelve week. Sorry, it's a 12-month recovery. Typically, he cut that time in half, and actually gave himself a shot to have a chance to, to be ready for opening day. It became pretty clear after that that he that it was rushed, but um, he, he did everything he could. So now it's just a matter of getting physically and shorter physically to the point where he's able to, to swing the bat the way anyone would need to uh, to play. There was a whole lot in there. Let me let me try and translate that for you, Jeff. Um, Please, Joey Votto made tremendous progress on a rehab that could take up to a year. Mm-hmm. Joey Votto got back on a baseball field before opening day and was conducting baseball activities, and we all got excited. Joey tried to match that energy and get himself back. For opening day. Joey was nowhere near ready 
And we all bought into the hope that he would be, but he was nowhere near ready. He went down to Louisville and continued to demonstrate that the shoulder is not there. If you've ever had any work done, if you've had rotator cuff rebuilds, if you've had work done on a shoulder or arm, you know, sometimes it takes it a long time to come along and get back to where it was before. All that being said, what David Bell said is they're not discouraged. They think Joey Votto is right where he's supposed to be. And he is, in fact, although it feels delayed to us now because of all of the hype around spring training, he is on schedule and ahead of schedule. Uh, my prediction now, given what we know and what Joey has said and what David is now saying, is that we see Joey Votto Memorial Day weekend. I like that. And because that's just something like I heard that clip. And I heard David Bell say, yeah, he's well ahead of schedule. Great. He can't do anything physically with his shoulder that he would like to. What? Like, <laughs> you know, you go from like one side of the, 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 you know, one side of the meter to the other when it comes to just what you're feeling when you listen to this. Because I want to see Joey Votto back. I want to see him on the field. And the more and more that we hear updates about this, I'm starting to wonder exactly when that's going to be Memorial day. That, that sounds right to me. I know that he's still not yet back on like a rehab stint or something like that. And it probably sounds like when he gets going on a rehab stint, he's going to take the maximum amount of time. But I, I just, I don't know. Like I, I feel, I feel like Memorial day, it feels right. But there's also part of me that says all-star break maybe. And Ooh, I hope not. I, yeah, I hope not too, because I think at that point, Joey's got to ask himself what this means for his, you know, his career. But I, I, I guess I'm not worried that he's, he's going to be ready anytime soon. Cause I think he will be, um, but I'm starting, starting to wonder a little bit. I will ask you this though. Okay. So we're, we're not that worried about Joey Votto. Are we worried that Will Myers is not going to figure it out? Nope. Here's what I think. Uh, I think before we can form any uh, educated, informed opinion about Will Myers, we need to give him at least another month of playing for the Reds and games at Great American Ballpark. Uh, we are just now entering the time of year where the weather is going to start to turn and we're going to start seeing the ball fly at Great American Ballpark. Will Myers has hit some balls hard. They've been right at people. Uh, he hasn't been who we hoped he, we would who we had hoped he would be right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. I think there's still room for him to be that guy. Uh, I think he's the type of player that great American ballpark was built for. And we need to give him the opportunity to play into that. Now, if we reach the end of may and he's still the guy that he is right now, then it's going to be time to push the panic button. If we reach June and he's not hitting big flies, it's problem. I agree. And the more that I watch him take at bats and, he seems to have an issue with breaking balls that break away from him low and away. And I think that there's a lot of batters that probably have this problem. It's just, we're a little bit more sensitive to it after watching Aristides Aquino and Jose Barrero flail at them for the last couple of years. So anytime I see somebody else do it, I'm just like, Oh no, not again. But yeah, I think I'll give him a little bit more time. I've seen some folks that are saying they want to move on from him. I'm not there yet at all. And I do think that we might see some more as the, as the weather warms up a little bit, but overall not worried about Will Myers. Here's one that I'm curious about because major league baseball has put into play these, these incentives to call up players early on in the season. 
The problem is they put a cutoff on this and they said, well, it's got to be like the first couple of weeks to get extra draft picks. They got to finish high in the rookie of the year voting. They got to be high ranked prospects and all this other stuff. So yes, there is a limit to how many players qualify for that. But the reds could also be looking at these guys that they've called up over the last two years and say, how many of these guys do we really want to have their contracts, the rookie contracts ending at the same time. So are we worried that they're going to be playing contract games with prospects and calling them up? Are, are they not going to call them up these guys that they've been selling to us for the last year? <laughs> so on the heels of David Bell's comments that we just heard, I'm going to answer this question by saying uh, yes and no. Um, <laughs> yes, we should be worried that all of the prospects are not going to come up this year. I, I'm starting to think that we may get two more. I can't imagine that there is a scenario where Matt McClain does not come up pretty soon. If he hits another week or two, like he's been hitting, they are absolutely going to have to bring him up and play him somewhere. Uh, combine that with the way that the shortstop position has gone at the major league level right now. And it just becomes a picture perfect scenario for Matt McClain to come up and be a, a guy right away. Uh, the next prospect is some point in time this year, we are going to see Ellie De La Cruz unless he just absolutely bombs while playing at AAA. Uh, there is just way too much hype and time and talk that has been invested in Ellie De La Cruz for him to not make an appearance sometime this year. So there's your yes. The no of this thing, are they going to leave? Are they going to bring up all the guys? No, uh, I don't think we'll see CES this year. I think they'll hold him back and bring him up next year to separate some of the contracts, as you say. Uh, Noel V. Marte is not going to be ready, but he could be a guy for next year. So that's two more next year. And then the following year out, maybe an Edwin Arroyo, uh, one of those type guys. Yeah. The pitchers are a different story. I think the pitchers the Reds are going to approach by the needs of, of, of necessity. Whatever um, the baseball gods throw at them, I think that's why we saw Levi Stout already. We will see Levi Stout again. Uh, at some point in time, we probably see Abbott this year just out of necessity. Some guys are going to get hurt. Uh, and possibly Brandon Williamson if he ever figures out how to be consistent. Andrew Abbott did get promoted to AAA yesterday. I did see that news, which was good to see. Um, so he won't have the Luis Castillo track where he gets from AA up to the major leagues. But overall, I am a little bit worried about this because I feel like for the last couple of years, when it comes to a guy that's close, they're like, you know what? Let's call him up. Let's see what he's got. And I almost wonder if they're not looking at that and saying, boy, oh boy, this is going to wreak havoc on our contract situations here. And maybe we need to consider this a little bit more. And I just don't think that's the right way to go about this. This team has set itself up to be basically a land of opportunity for a bunch of different positions, but they're constantly giving that opportunity to retreads and, and, and journeymen and, and guys that have never really caught on anywhere else. And I get it to an extent of getting from A to B and guys like Noel V. Marte and Edwin Arroyo and Cam Collier who aren't going to be ready for the next couple of years. But I feel like Ellie De La Cruz, Christian Encarnacion Strand, uh, there, there's a bunch of other dudes that are so close to the major leagues that 
I don't know why we're, we're worried about when we're starting their clock because I go back to them being worried about when they start Nixon Zell's clock and how'd that work out now? Because we're coming to the point when we should have been worried about his contract ending and most folks want it to end last year. You, you drop that in at the end where we got a wrap. We're going to revisit this conversation in tomorrow's episode because it's a completely different situation. What's happening right now versus what they did with Nick Senzel. And by way of teaser, I will tell you what that is on tomorrow's episode. I like it. That's how we're going to end. But Hey, before we get out of here, don't forget that reds and Rangers are playing tonight at six 40 PM. Eastern time. I'm actually going to be going down to the game, but if you're not, you can check out the reds broadcast on the Sirius XM app. Just uh, search reds on the SXM app. By the way, uh, the probable starter for the Rangers tonight is Martin Perez. You know, he's only ever pitched once against the reds and that was in 2013. Bet you can't guess who the only red on the 40-man roster uh, currently was still on that team. It's Joey Votto. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, he's the only one. Nobody else is here because they traded away everybody else. But that's going to wrap us up for this edition of Lockdown Reds. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. Every dayers, like Steve said, we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to Nixon Zell and how I'm worried about things that aren't true. Plus, we have Luke Weaver's second start in the books we will. And we're going to start to figure out exactly what he can bring to the table for our red legs. Now for your second listen, check out lockdown fantasy baseball. You can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies all throughout the season and getting ready for next year. And they can get you ready for each and every day for starts and sets and waivers and trades and all that great stuff because lockdown fantasy baseball is just like lockdown reds. We are part of the lockdown podcast network, your team every day. Steve, as we move through the rest of this season, worrying about wins and losses, maybe not, but we will be watching the Reds closely. Why? We are looking for development. We're looking for results. We're looking for progress. We're monitoring transactions. We're listening to rumors. We're pulling it all together, and we're bringing it right back here to keep you locked on Reds every single day. Jeff, you went a whole episode without singing the praises of Alexis Diaz. He's good.